Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. I'm glad to be in Alhambra. It's been a few weeks since I've been here. And uh, Alex is speaking at the Dime Bar campus. I'm here today. Really good, really good uh, that, uh, to be here to see you all. And I'm really grateful for what God's doing here, honestly. Uh, last week, we started talking about what a difference it makes uh, if you can put your full confidence in God and uh, as you handle the flow of life, what a difference that makes. We usually put faith kind of on the shelf and we only bring it out if we're desperate. You know, it's like we only reach out for faith if it's the last resort. I think that's how a lot of us have kind of grown up. That's what you pick up in the culture. Faith, faith handy, you know, if you hit if you hit a really bad spot. But in reality... Faith is crucial as you as you live every day, as you handle the flow of life. It it's very helpful as as you get into conflict with friends and family and relationships get shaky. Well, if you can trust God to help you work through that and navigate the struggles, what a difference faith makes. If if you're you know in a dating relationship and you really don't want to lose it, you're just a little worried about how it's going to turn out. How much different would your outlook on that relationship be if you could completely trust God? You could put your faith in Him to use that relationship for your good no matter what happens, no matter the outcome. What, what, what a difference that would make. What if, you know, the challenges at work and the, the unsettled economy, just the shifts in the economy, what if you... What if you could deal with the fear factor, knowing that whatever twists, whatever happens, whatever shows up, that God is going to guide you through. He's going to help. How about parenting? All right. You, you know, you, you, God blesses you with a child. You hold this baby in your hands. You're, you're thinking, whoa, this is a lot of responsibility. How am I going to handle this? And am I going to do this right? How's it going to go? You know, you start shaking inside at least. I did. And I thought, wow. What, what a difference faith in God can make and how much reassurance there is if you know that you can trust God to guide you through that process. So he's going to be there and he, he can help. This is why faith is so important. Because if you're, if you're exercising it every day, which we all have opportunity to every day, God can really work through the flow of life to help us, to guide us, to make us different people. And that's what he wants to do. So if you're checking out Christianity, you're seeking whether or not God is, is real, Make it a priority to figure out if you can really trust the God who is there, if you can really know him and find him. And as you're seeking him, bump it to the top of your list to figure out if he's real. I I figured out that he is and what a difference it makes to be able to trust him every day of my life as I handle the flow of it. Faith is so crucial in our spiritual growth that God consistently uses five catalysts at least. I think there's others, but we're looking at five in this series. We're calling the series Catalyst. He uses five catalysts to speed 
our growth in faith and maturity spiritually. I first, I think catalyst is a great word. I don't, I don't know about you, but first time I really paid attention to it was when I was 13. I needed to repair a surfboard and I got a ding in it. And what you do is you kind of tape up a little spot so it, it shapes the, matches the shape of the surfboard. You pour this liquid resin in and then you add a catalyst to it that speeds the hardening of the resin. And that was my first, you know, I, I hadn't had chemistry yet. In fact, I never took it. Probably a mistake. I don't know. It might have helped. But um, that was like, I thought, this stuff is cool. I don't know what's in here, but this is cool stuff. You know, this catalyst thing. And so what God does, faith is so important to our spiritual growth and to our ability to handle the flow of life in a way that really honors Him, that He has these catalysts that He uses on a consistent basis to grow us and to change us. So we're looking at these in in this series. These catalysts grow our faith, and some of them God arranges in our life as He is sovereign, He's in control, He arranges them. Some of them we need to keep choosing. And the two that we're looking at today, we need to keep choosing. Uh, Paul wrote a prayer uh, into a letter of instruction to a church at Ephesus in the first century. And uh, it's very instructive to us, this, this letter and, and this prayer. Uh, Paul aims the prayer at the growing faith of the Ephesian believers. He had, he had started the church with a team of people. And so he, he felt like a, a father you know, trying to help these folks grow in their young faith. And so he was concerned about their development, their spiritual growth. And so he includes a prayer that he was praying in this letter. In chapter 3, verse 14 through 19, Paul asked God to strengthen the faith of the new Christians. And then he sort of gives some indicators of spiritual growth. His prayer for growth uh, is there because they were going to need it. He, they were going to need faith in the, in, the, in the culture they were living in, in the things that they were dealing with every day. They, they needed faith desperately. So he asked God to give them power through His Spirit, that they'd be rooted and grounded in love, to comprehend God's love for them, and be filled with the fullness of God, all, all indicators of a growing faith. So he prays these things, and then right after listing those specific things that he's praying for, this is what he says, full-on statement of confidence in God, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So be it. This is an expression of full faith from a man who'd learned by experience that he could trust God fully. He could put his complete confidence in the living God. As he handled the flow of life, he could trust Him to work. Now, Paul knew this because faith is like a muscle. You know, you, you have to exercise it for it to grow. So he had a faith that had grown through the roof, really, as he put his full confidence in God and what God could do as we pray to him and as we ask him to work. If you choose faith in God, 
He'll take it. It doesn't, it doesn't take much, Jesus said. It just takes, just takes a little bit of faith. And then God can begin to work in your life. You trust Him. And He begins to work. And what, one thing He's going to do is He's going to try to grow that faith to full bloom and, and expand it. And the way it expands is as you handle the flow of life, you experience God coming through as you trust Him. In, in many ways in my life, I started walking with the Lord a uh, long time ago. Uh, seriously, probably when I was 18, I started really trying to step out on faith. I decided to follow God uh, when I was about 11. But really, I got 11. Is that a word? Sorry. 11. Uh, but when I was 18, it's what happens in your mind when you get ahead of yourself. 11, 18. Uh, but then when I was 18, I really got serious about following God. And, and since then, honestly, it's, it seems like I'm watching a story. As I, as, you know, as, in the middle of life, you don't see so much. But every once in a while, you take a step back, like the end of the year, you have a little break. And you can sort of step back and start reflecting. It's like I'm watching a story of God's faithfulness on a movie screen. It's like I'm watching this story. It's I'm living it, but when I have an opportunity to reflect, it's like I'm I'm watching this story and it's it's unbelievable. It's hard to it's hard to imagine what God has done in my life as I've just trusted him a little bit and then a little more and then a little more, and he keeps expanding my faith. One example is almost a year ago, we launched this campus. And watching God bring the folks around. We're really glad you're here. We're grateful for what God has done. It was a stretch for us uh, in every way, in terms of people resources and financial resources. And we took the step as a church in faith, and God has really come through. And uh, February 16th is a year anniversary. We're going to celebrate a little bit. And... Looking back, you know, at milestones, you have an opportunity to look back. That's, that's how it is. We're watching a story of God's faithfulness like we're watching it on a movie screen, but we get to live it. It's awesome. This, this is the way it is. It's fantastic what God will do. And that's, that's what Paul's trying to communicate there. He, he will do far more than you could ask or imagine. He, he will he will blow your mind with what he can do. And so we're looking at how God grows that kind of faith, how he develops us and, and makes us stronger in it so that we can grow spiritually. So we're looking at two catalysts today that God uses to grow our faith. Um, first one, practical teaching. We're going to look at how God uses Sunday morning teaching, personal Bible reading and prayer to grow our faith. And uh, how does he want me to make the most of these? First faith catalyst that God uses is practical teaching. Now, we, we show up, uh, if you were to come every Sunday, 52 times a year. Okay? And we gear our Sunday morning teaching so that it's practical. This is what we aim toward. This is what our Sunday morning teaching is, is zeroed in on. Um, have you given much thought to the best way that you learn, the way that you best learn. Um, 
I don't know if you have, you know, we grow up when you're five, most of us go to kindergarten and uh, we begin to learn and we get in a classroom setting and we're taught and then we move on to grade one and then on and on and on. And if, if you grew up in a classroom, many times uh, you pay attention, you learn to pay attention to only what you're going to be tested on. You know, only you, learning is not the real goal. The real goal is figuring this teacher out so I can give them what they want and get past this class. And so we, we have that focus. But when you're out to learn something that you're really motivated to learn and that's going to really make a difference in your everyday life or that you, you know you've got to have so that you can survive, like driver's ed or driver's training. I remember when I took driver's training, uh, my attitude was very different than my classes at the time. You know, my classes were my classes. I was trying to figure out what to give back to the teacher just so I could make it to the next level or whatever it was. But driver's ed, I was motivated. Because, first of all, I wanted to pass the test. I didn't want to come back and tell my friends I'd failed. That that would have been completely embarrassing. But I wanted to drive. And I knew that this is information that would keep me alive someday. I needed to know this stuff. Now, driver's training, I I was eager very eager to do driver's training. My instructor drove me crazy. He, 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 okay, he didn't drive me crazy, but he, he irritated me because first thing we'd do, we'd always drive to Winchell's Donuts. He'd get a donut and coffee and, and then the whole time I was driving, he'd, he'd make loud noises chewing the donut. And so I just, but you know what? I didn't care because I I really wanted to learn. I needed to learn what he was teaching me so I could pass and get my license and be awesome driving around town. I was extremely motivated. And and this is the difference between learning something that we don't think is really going to help us and learning something we know we're going to really need. Our level of motivation, our outlook on that thing. For people to learn, there there are multiple things going on. At least three. There's the teacher, the presenter of the content. There's the learner uh, who's being taught. And then there's the content itself. What is being taught? The Bible provides truth or information from God. It's a certain kind of knowledge that actually can transform our, our life. It's, it's something we really need. The Bible contains the most profound content and the most compelling information that I've ever encountered as I've lived life. And as you digest it over time, as you digest it over time, it leaves an imprint. It it changes you from the inside out. And so, as the learner, what you find is our attitude toward teaching activates this catalyst. We, We need to choose a certain attitude. We need to approach things a certain way. Our approach and attitude as we listen to Bible teaching uh, greatly determines how much it will sink in and and how much of a difference it will make in, in my life. Again and again, God's used teachers to turn the lights on for me, to connect dots that I didn't see before. And God, through the Holy Spirit, will speak through his word as somebody is explaining it to me and the lights go on and wow, that's very helpful. But I've got to be ready for that. I've got to be 
wanting God to speak to me and get prepared to hear from Him. Here at Church in the Valley, we, we want to do everything we can to make our messages interesting to you. Many of you weren't born when I first started speaking at Church in the Valley, and you should be grateful for that because I'm not sure my messages were all that interesting to listen to. I focused completely on the content. But over time, I've tried to get better and learn how to make it more interesting. That's my part. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what Alex does on Sundays. And, you know, you probably all give me a grade as you're walking out. Eh, C plus this week. That was that was all right. You know, we're doing our part. So as teachers, we have our part as we present the content of the Bible. As hearers, you have a part as well. You, you also have a part in the way you receive the teaching. And I want to look at how to make the most of teaching on Sundays. There's a, a flyer and actually a half sheet of paper in your program. If you could take that out, I'd like to just walk through it uh, quickly here before we keep moving on. How to make the most of the teaching on Sundays. Whether or not the guy is incredibly boring. Okay, sorry, I added that. Um, if, if anyone, look at what Jesus said in John 7, 17. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Now, I put that at the top because there's something important you need to understand in getting prepared to hear what God's saying to you through the Scriptures. If you're investigating uh, scripture, uh, Christianity, if you're trying to figure out whether Jesus is real and you're investigating him, this is something important to know. Understanding will unfold only for those who are genuinely seeking to know God and intend to obey him if they find out he's real. Understanding unfolds for those folks. If you intend to obey him once you find out what he says and that he's real, understanding begins to unfold. In other words, he only turns the lights on for those who are honestly trying to figure out whether he's real and will obey him if they find that out. I'm not talking about agreeing with my opinions or the speaker's opinions, but a prior decision to obey God is crucial if he's going to show you what he wants you to hear through his his word, the Bible. This is true for all of us. If 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 we don't come to Sunday mornings with the intent of doing what God tells us, he won't speak. He just he just hold it back. So here are some other suggestions on ways again, but that's the backdrop. That's that's a big one. We've got to be set to to do what God wants us to do, or he won't tell us specifically what he wants us to do. Uh, Beyond that, first of all, choose the attitude of a learner and ask God to help you hear what you need to hear that morning. Number two, don't deflect instruction by thinking I'm doing perfectly fine and I don't need to learn anything more. Or I already know more than those people. Or number three, don't don't put a high priority on the entertainment value over the truth and principles being presented. Try try to get to the bottom of what God's saying through the passage that we're looking at that morning. 
Number four, develop ways to remind yourself what God has said so you can do it. Um, Put it in your to-do list. Jot it into your calendar. If God says something, maybe you need to reflect, maybe you need to think. Make a box in your week in your calendar and say, God, I'm going to spend some more time to think about this. But you know how it is when somebody's giving you instructions and or you're giving instructions to somebody and you can tell they're just sort of politely listening, waiting for you to be finished and they're not going to do anything with it. And then maybe later on you find out, hey, could you, could you go over those again? They weren't listening. That's God. God wants us to be ready. He wants us as he speaks to us to sort of figure out how we're going to begin to take these steps that he's laying on our heart. Um, five, make it your goal to listen to God's corrections. As I get into scripture, he corrects my thoughts, my attitudes. He, he begins to sh- just sort of straighten me out because I get all twisted up. Make it your goal to listen to his corrections as he gives them. Number six, be willing to give up your personal ideas that are challenged rather than seeking affirmation for your own views. Sometimes we come to hear somebody speak and we really just want them to sort of pump up our ideas or views. And we have trouble shifting. Some of my best thoughts have been ruined by the Bible. Just, I thought, oh, I was so wrong. We need to be willing to give up our own views, our own opinions. Maybe even you've made a big deal out of it with your friends. And you've talked about these things. You just need to let those go. Number seven, come to church diligently seeking God's wisdom expressed in his word, the Bible. You can take that with you, and hopefully it'll help. You could go through the passages uh, this week, if you'd like, on your own. Uh, I think... Those are some ideas. Those are some backdrop principles for approaching the Sunday morning teaching because God's intent is for the teaching in the church to equip us for life and ministry. This is what God, this is what you find out in scripture. After Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, he goes on and he describes uh, the leaders of the church, uh, the gifts that they've been given and why they've been given them in Ephesians 4. But the goal of the teaching in the church is to equip us for life and ministry. Look at Ephesians 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. This is why he gives them to the church. This is why he gives church leaders. To equip the saints, that's believers in Christ, those who've decided to follow Christ, followers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God gives spiritual leaders and teachers so that the whole church could be equipped to do what God wants, to be prepared for life and its demands, to be prepared for ministry, serving others, serving God, to build a life and a ministry that pleases Him so that we can grow to unity and faith and to maturity. So when we gather on Sunday mornings and we get into the Bible together, what, what God wants is it goes far beyond just transferring information. He, he wants us to grow and learn how to mature in faith in Christ. If you know the goal, it helps you to get ready to 
move toward that goal. So that's, that's why that's important to understand. A second faith catalyst is uh, private disciplines. It's still only a couple weeks into the new year. You may have tried to add some disciplines uh, to your regimen in the, in the day. And discipline really is sort of a delayed gratification that leads to progress, you know, I, or just pushing through doing something you don't want to do because you know it's going to be good for you. Um, disciplines are also crucial in a growing relationship. Well, we don't think this way. But if I don't get in the habit of spending time with my wife, our relationship begins to deteriorate. We're not connected. We're not on the same page. Um, relationships that have routines in them tend to grow, where we tend to spend a lot of time together. Think back through your neighborhood, the people who grew up around you, or the people in school, or the people in high school. You know, we, you see each other every day. You know, it's, there's, a, there's this routine to it. There's this habit. And, and the relationship sometimes grows out of just spending that time together. Families routine, routinely get together around a dinner table. If you try to make that as good as possible, the relationships can really grow and flourish there. The family can grow together and begin to really enjoy each other through just the habit of eating, doing something you have to do every day. We have this habit. You may get coffee with a good friend once a week. You try, you know, you try to get together every week and just talk about what's going on, support each other, encourage each other. If that routine gets disrupted, the relationship shifts, begins to change. Sometimes God, God wants that. Sometimes that just happens. We move away from one another. You know, life, the flow of life is just that way. But routine or getting together, spending time together, developing these habits, Make relationships grow. A relationship's fluid, but if you think about it, every healthy relationship is held together partly by routines or discipline. If you want a relationship to grow, you have to make it a habit to, to spend time together. Our relationship with God is similar. When people look back at what's grown their faith over months and over years, Many people who are seriously trying to walk with God would point to private disciplines as some of the core things that God has used to really grow them. Um, nothing can quite grow your faith like learning to hear from God by getting into the Bible for yourself and talking to him through prayer and watching how he responds through the prayers. Um, Abandoning these practices, if they get disrupted or you just abandon them, it's detrimental to your spiritual growth. It really hurts. You're not growing in your understanding of God, your walk with Him, your faith in Him. So practicing these disciplines, these private disciplines, consistently draws us into a closer relationship with God. Spiritual disciplines at their core are expressions of our dependence on God. That's what they are. As we get to know God better, we come to find that God works to grow our faith through obedience. Our faith is grown as we dig into the Scriptures, and we actually do what He says. So that's one thing. Getting into the Bible on your own on a regular basis is one of the disciplines that God uses to grow our faith. 
In fact, doing what God says builds our life on the right foundation. Look at what Jesus said. This is a very serious statement by him in Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it has been well built. Jesus, this is a very serious statement. Don't just call me Lord, but live like I'm the Lord of your life. Live like I'm the boss. Jesus says, if you want a life that's going to last, that's going to be fortified, and if you want a faith that will not fail you, do what I say. Live what I say. Get into the Scriptures. Take me seriously. And step out to obey what you find in them. You, you can't follow Jesus with just an attempt intent to listen to his word and appreciate his amazing ability to communicate truth in a both a simple way but a way that just opens up your understanding you can't just appreciate him as a teacher you have to follow him as a coach a coach who's teaching you showing you how to live life discipline of reading the bible getting into it uh will we'll begin to help you understand what to do in life, how to do it. And as you learn those things, God himself will give you the power to do it as you rely on him to help you. The Word of God has a way of showing us uh, these things, but we've got to be disciplined to keep in it, to stay after it, to, to find out God's view of things and to ask him to speak to us through it. Second discipline is learning to communicate with God through prayer. Prayer is an expression of our reliance on God. It's, it's not designed to inform God. Now, that's a relief to me. I don't know about you. But prayer isn't designed to clue God into what's going on in your life. What you find, as Jesus talked about prayer, is that God knows every detail of what's going on with you and every person on the face of the planet. When we come and pray to God, we're really affirming that reality, that, that he knows what's going on and he's in control and we need him. We're recognizing his involvement. Overall, the purpose of prayer is to shift our perspective from being self-focused to being God-focused. Look at Matthew 6. When you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows that you need what you need before you ask him. This is what Jesus is saying. Our prayer and its effectiveness, the effectiveness of our prayer, is not about our words and some sort of quantity or formula or way we go about praying. It's not about our effort extended, expended. It's not about our fervency, but it's about the person we're talking to and what he wants to do in our life. We get the experience communicating with God, our loving Father, 
who rewards us. He rewards what we're doing in secret as we pray to him. Because God already knows. We, we, we gain, we grow to know him better as we pray. Reading, applying the scriptures, and prayer are key ways that our faith grows as we walk with him. We need to make it a pattern in our life in order to make the most of those catalysts. George Mueller, who is a tremendous man of faith, said this, Be assured, if you walk with him and look to him and expect help from him, he will never fail you. That is true. I found that to be true myself. God grows our faith through practical teaching and private disciplines. But only as we take steps of obedience to follow him as he shows us what to do, as we learn what he wants in the scripture. If you never take the step of obedience, your faith doesn't grow. As you pray, you, you're bringing God, you're, you're, you're actually getting into this conversation with God. We ask him for things and then we see what he wants. This campus here was one of those instances. We, we sensed that God wanted us to launch out, launch this campus. We were going to find out. Is God in it? Yes, he was. He's answered our prayer. When our son, our grandson Blake was born, before he was born, he was actually uh, taken by C-section early. And we were praying because... Uh, they thought there was a problem with his, his stomach wasn't growing as rapidly as they thought it should be, and that can create a lot of problems in a child. I figured this out as I Googled it. You know, it's like you, you don't want to Google those things sometimes, but I was like, huh, they're concerned that his stomach is too small. That doesn't seem like a big deal to me. My stomach's too large sometimes, you know. But So anyway, you Google it and you find this stuff out. So we were praying fervently, and this is what we have the, the privilege of doing as, as believers. We were praying that God would protect him, that he'd be okay, that he'd heal him. And uh, we're, we're praying about all of this. We're not sure what God has in store. I know my son and daughter-in-law, they were willing to accept whatever God would bring because he doesn't always say yes. But we're praying, we're, we're asking, and he was born without any problems. We were so grateful. But see, if we hadn't been praying, we wouldn't have experienced God in that moment. We wouldn't have understood it was an answer to our prayers that he gave. In fact, it was, it was kind of fun. The pediatrician, when they went to their first visit, he told them a story. He said, you know, I don't remember all the births because there's a bunch of them. But I do remember Blake's because... They had a team of people in there because they were expecting all these problems with the baby. And there were none. And so the nurse called the doctor and said, hey, you know, we're all here ready to work on the baby. It's okay. What do we do? And he said, I don't know. Take a coffee break. (laughs) I don't know. Do it. You know, whatever. Take a break. Because we prayed, we experienced God's grace. And kindness in that moment. And that, that habit, learning to take things to God that you're dealing with every day of your life, opens up your relationship with Him in a way that's not there if you don't take it to Him. So I want to encourage you. Make the most of practical teaching on Sunday mornings or whenever you get it. Make the most of the private disciplines. Get into the Scripture. Listen to God. Do what He says. 
Take your concerns to Him. And watch Him answer. And watch Him work. What's your next step of obedience to God this morning? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your truth and kindness. We thank You for the the catalyst that You use and cluing, cluing us into these and helping us understand how You work. I pray, God, that You would... Uh, give us the power to take the steps that you've laid on our hearts today. That you you would help us, Father, to uh, make it a habit like breathing to pray. And that you'd help us to make it a regular pattern to get into your word because that's how you speak to us. And to make the most of the teaching on Sundays. Help us with these things, God, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.